Hey everybody, it's Chris. If you're a sports fan like me, or you're just a fan of a great story, you gotta check out Press Box Access, a sports history podcast hosted by Todd Jones. Todd sits down with fellow sports writers who experienced firsthand some of the biggest sports moments of the past 50 years, and they share some of the stories behind the stories, some of which they've only told to each other. What I personally love are the wild stories that you might not hear so much about on SportsCenter over the years. Like when Indiana-based sports journalist Bob Kravitz recounts the time Bobby Knight showed up naked to an office meeting with him and then banned him from the Hoosiers' locker room for the next three years because Bob wrote a story he didn't like. Or when Alexander Wolfe tells a story about going out on the town in Chicago with Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra in the middle of a Bulls playoff series. Or when Dan Wetzel talks about what it was like to be in the media room when Temple basketball coach John Chaney stormed into UMass coach John Calipari's press conference after a game and threatened to kill him. These wild and fun stories, paired with stories about real sports greatness, you know, like the 1970s Steelers being the greatest NFL dynasty ever, or the legendary rivalry between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and even the impact of protests for social justice issues in sports, make Pressbox Access a show you should check out. Pressbox Access is part of the Evergreen Podcast family, and it's available all the places you get your pods, and you can also find Pressbox Access on YouTube. Go check it out. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One hit is all you need to make the money guaranteed. And you can live off royalties forever. And it makes me wonder, is it just a wonder? All right, so Matt, today we are here as a special bonus episode. Obviously, Green Day are not one-hit wonders, but we're going to talk about them anyway. And here's something I'm going to tell you, though. They're obviously not one-hit wonders, but if you are going just by like our definition of a one-hit wonder or whatever, like that top 20, they're pretty close. (laughs) They're surprisingly close. I looked into it. I thought they were going to have like... 10 songs that were in the top 20. They really only have three, one that barely got in the top 20, which was actually a surprise that was even that close. But uh, do you know what their biggest song ever was? I mean, I would guess that Time of Your Life is probably one of those three. But Dude, Dude. Time of Your Life is not even one of the... I'm looking now. Yeah, Time Time of Your Life is not even one at all unless yeah this billboard website it goes back to the 90s yeah. and stuff. no it goes back to the 90s that's insane because that's a song that you feel like that was that was like a cultural milestone that, song that was like the end of friends and seinfeld dude that can't be it. right time of your life <laughs> time of your life was ne- never in the top 100 that can't be right who knows um but i'm gonna guess I, I feel like it's similar to like the Weezer Beverly Hills thing where it's like a later career song is like their biggest song on the charts. Oh. Um, and I'm thinking it's probably going to be something off of American Idiot, like Boulevard of Broken Dreams or Wake Me When September Ends. Well, 
I looked it up real quick. Good Riddance Time of Your Life became a chart hit, peaking at number 11 on the Billboard Radio Songs chart, but it says nothing about the Hot 100. So maybe That's insane. <laughs> maybe it was just a time when pop music was dominating or something, or it's wrong. Regardless, what I found was what what was your guess as the highest charting song? I said it's probably one of the two one of the big singles off of American Idiot. So like Boulevard of Broken Dreams or Wake Me Up When September Ends. Which one? One of those. Which one was the highest? Um, I'm gonna say Boulevard. Boulevard was huge. You're right. That was their highest yeah. charting song ever. It went to number two in 2005. Wake Me Up When September Ends went to number six. And the only other song, as far as the Billboard website goes, was Holiday, which went to number 19. Okay. And, and I couldn't believe that. Yeah, time of your life isn't. I mean, so I don't know. So we're gonna get into this a little bit too, because not only are we gonna talk about, you know, this new album came out. Yes. Um. I got to go to the record release show in New York. Dude, which, how many people were there? Just it was like hundred? 500. It was 500 names picked and two tickets per person that was drawn. So a thousand people Yeah, in this small, literally the size of the Thunderbird wow. was where I saw Green Day. <laughs> Possibly That's, smaller. Yeah. Was it awesome? I mean, I want to know. Tell us about that first. What was that? You went to a Green Day, to a small Green Day show on the day their album came out. That's pretty wild that you were there. And it was my first time seeing them live. I'd never seen them live. They're my they're one of my probably five favorite bands of all time. My girlfriend sent me this link because we were trying to go see them during this arena tour that they're doing with Rancid and Smashing Pumpkins and the ticket prices were just too insane. Mm -hmm. But Sirius XM was running a contest because they just launched Green Day Radio and we both entered into it and my name was the one that got drawn. So we went, I got choked up as soon as they started playing American Idiot. Like that was the first song of the set. And it was like this, it was like this realization of like, oh my God, this band has meant so much to me for close to 30 years of my life. But then I got nervous because then they played six songs off of Saviors in a row. Yeah. And there was a part of me that was like, oh no, is this going to be one of those things where they play like the song that you know out the gate and then we're going to hear the whole album played from front to back and then they'll just play like another popular song and call it a day. That wasn't what happened. They played those six songs and then it was like your like, uh, I mean, it wasn't my like perfect Green Day set list, but it was a lot of great songs. Did you happened to look up the set list in advance. I didn't, but you told okay. me there, there were a couple surprises of songs they didn't play, you told me. Yes. But. So I'll tell you what the uh, what the set list was. So they hit the stage, and thank you for Set List FM for making this so much easier for, for me to remember. So like I said, they played American Idiot, then they played six songs off of Saviors, and then they went into Burnout, Ooh. Followed by Longview, nice. followed by Welcome to Paradise, nice. followed by She. Wow. Then they played Holiday, Boulevard of Broken Dreams, and Letter Bomb off of American Idiot. Okay. Then then they played Minority. Then they did 2,000 Light Years Away and One of My Lies off of Kerplunk. Wow. Nice. <laughs> then they played Stuart in the Avenue, which is my like second or third favorite Green Day song off of yeah. Insomniac. It's a great song. Then they played Christy Rodolph Kerplunk. Then they played Brain Stew, but they did something really cool, which is like Brain Stew normally leads into Jade It, but they actually made it go right into St. Jimmy from American Idiot, which is like the exact same energy as Jade It, so it worked. Uh, They played Warning. 
they played Revolution Radio, they played Basket Case, and then they closed with Homecoming, which is like the nine-minute song from American Idiot where all three members have a lead vocal part. And then they end it with What's Her Name, which is the last song in American Idiot. So we didn't get Good Riddance. We didn't wow. get When I Come Around. We didn't get Nice Guys Finish Last. We didn't get Hitching a Ride or Redundant. We didn't get Know Your Enemy. Like there was some pretty big. No Scattered. S- yeah, No Scattered. My, I mean, Scattered, Wary Rock, and JAR are like all among yeah. my favorites of all time. So we didn't get any of those. But. Uh, a lot of my friends, Matt Milligan is one of them. Uh, my friend Matt Howard, who was in my high school punk band, um, they're like Green Green Day diehards. So they both messaged me almost identical text messages, which was text message one was, holy shit, you got to hear Stuart in the Avenue live. They've only played that live 12 times in their entire career. Wow. And then the second one was... You may have been at the only show that Green Day's ever played where they didn't close with good riddance. Wow. <laughs> like, so so okay. it's kind of like, okay, we got to see some cool stuff. Now, uh, my girlfriend has been to a lot of these pop-up shows. So she says, like, it is like, you never know. Like, you could go mm-hmm. and it would just be like a short hour set of deep cuts or it's like the normal three-hour Green Day live show experience or like what we got, which was like a weird hodgepodge of all of it. Um, what I thought we were going to get, this was my like low-key suspicion. It didn't turn out to be the case, is that they just announced that this tour, they're going to be playing all of Dookie and all of American Idiot and then still peppering in like songs off the new album and all of the other fan favorites. So they're, I mean, they're playing like a three-hour set. I thought that they would treat this show as like a pseudo practice and we would get a lot of the songs from Dookie that they don't normally play live. Right. You know what I mean? Like I thought we would get like coming clean and in the end and pulling teeth and like some of the ones that probably aren't regulars for them in their set. Uh, So I was, you know, you're hyping yourself up before a show of like what you might hear. So it is what it is. And I, I think that it's important that we start there because I think that there's two or three songs on saviors that people are going to be lukewarm to that I'm really going to like just from how fun it was to hear that those songs in a live environment. Cause I think, you know, this, even being in a band, there's certain songs that I'm sure even as punchline, you think this song is so much more fun live than we could ever get it to sound hmm. in a studio. Right. Okay. Like, and there's a handful of those. And what kind of triggered this was holiday. Holiday was a song I always kind of liked, but having now experienced that song with like an amped up crowd screaming along with all the like background vocal parts, I'm like, okay, this song, this song fucking rules. Like the part where he does like the um the the speech from the president yeah. segment, like hearing the crowd yelling the like, don't criticize your government, like from like the crowd and stuff is like, okay. This song's pretty cool, actually. <laughs> like it's it's got a pretty badass call to arms type vibe, and and American Idiot is definitely like Green Day becoming really politically minded. Like not that they weren't always to a certain extent, but this was like the whole Bush thing had really pissed them off to the point that they wrote a whole album about it. And I think that Saviors really feels like a sequel to that ethos in a lot of ways it's a it's sure. a very like if if american idiot and 21st century breakdown was their 
fuck George Bush albums, this definitely feels like their fuck Trump and MAGA album. Right. And once again, you see those news stories. We're doing this the day after it comes out, but you see like people being like pissed about it and stuff. And it's once again, it's like that Rage Against the Machine thing where you want to be like, what are you talking about? Green Day Day has always felt this way. What what do you mean? And I got to say that I got, we got to give Green Day some flowers here because I'm I'm going to give some critiques in this episode. We're going to talk about yeah. the new album. I'm going to give some critiques because honestly, from a musical perspective, I kind of fell off on Green Day a long time ago. I'm just going to be yeah. honest here. I, and I never have. I'm coming from it from the dude who like bought every album and even the albums that people hated, I would like try to find some things to like about it because I just, I don't know. They were my band. They were my first favorite band. Let, you, it's hard to break yeah, up with those bands. Let me clarify. <laughs> I by no means hated Green Day at any point. Always no. liked Green Day. It's just the style and stuff kind of fell out of what I was listening to or interested in. It's like, I've heard a lot of three chord punk rock. I like that. They really went for it on American idiot. They really went for it with a lot of like, yeah. you know, orchestral arrangements and all kind of cool stuff. It's almost like, like a queen album at certain elements. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And also I got to say where I was having this argument among friends, the other at band practice, actually the other day about green day and the argument of can a band when they're so big that they're playing arenas, can they still write good songs or like songs that I want to listen to is the question. And we were going back and forth. I was kind of on the side of like, eh, not really. <laughs> if you're, if you're a famous multimillionaire, you don't have the problems that the average person does. And I, then I got, I got some, some uh, pushback against that because, which is a good point. Hey, no matter how rich or famous you are, you're still going to have, people you care about dying. Uh, You're still going to have relationships fall apart. You're still going to have these things. Money doesn't change everything. It might, but I guess I'm always looking at it. It's like, what's the big deal? If you're rich, you can just like do whatever you want all the time. But that's, I mean, that's what it comes down to, right? Like wake me up when September ends is one of their biggest songs. And it's literally, when you really read the lyrics, it's a sad song about his dad dying and how he Mm -hmm. didn't know how to deal with that. Like, You know, like a billion dollars can't take that away. You know okay. I mean? I'm probably like, I'm probably wrong for being on the side saying no. I I will but, concede that I am wrong. But do you somewhat agree? No, like, I somewhat agree because I was going to say, uh, you know, one of my favorite people to reference is always Chuck Klosterman, and he has a really great book uh, where one of his chapters is about Rivers Cuomo, mm-hmm. and he makes this argument in the book. And this is kind of tied to what you're talking about and kind of not, but but hear me out on this journey. He talks about how people complain that after Pinkerton, Weezer didn't write songs for their audience anymore. And he was like, I don't think Rivers Cuomo was ever writing songs for his audience. I think Rivers Cuomo has always exclusively written songs for Rivers Cuomo. And there just happened to be these two albums in the beginning where you guys were on the same track. But like how many of us can relate to a guy who at the peak of rock stardom dropped out of being in a band to go to Harvard and also actively gave up sex for six years. Like, <laughs> like he's not writing songs that we can relate to because he's not a human being that we can relate to yeah. anymore. That's, like, a, that's a pretty good point. And that's kind of like, my point. And I don't know. Can you, let me ask you this. Maybe you probably be more open-minded to this, but can you name a band that has achieved like, I'm talking stadium level, fame or whatever that still writes songs 
that you feel on an emotional level. Probably you probably do have examples. I guess. I mean, but but honestly, not that many. I right. think you're. I think you're right. Like I think Green Day is one of the few exceptions. But I think that the reason why I see Green Day as one of the few exceptions is because, you know, at their core, is the other thing I'll say about the show. The three guys that are Green Day, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, now their production is like a six or seven man operation. Yeah, but yeah, like but at know. their yeah. at their core, it's Trey, Mike, and Billy Joe. Watching them live for the first time, I was like, these are three of the most effortlessly cool human beings <laughs> like yeah. like you just watch them on stage and you're just like they're just cool right and like i don't think that there's a lot of other bands that sell out arenas that do as much stuff as green day does to not just be an arena band you know what i mean mm-hmm. whether it's whether it's you know doing the subway performance that they did the, this week you know doing this like instead of being a big elaborate record release show it being a small club private thing for diehard fans or like the fact that they just keep making up fake band names and playing essentially dive bars in LA yeah under like, like fake names like the network and like i i think that because there became this huge debate of like, oh, are they punk because they're on a major label? And, and you know, the music that they write, the, the album Saviors is like half of it feels kind of punk and the other half just feels like power pop. But you can tell that the the 16-year-old kids who loved playing in Gilman Street have never gone away in those three dudes. And that yeah. they do whatever they can to stay tied to that. And I think that that's the biggest reason why they're one of the few arena bands that can still write relatable songs is that they really put in the effort to not get so big that they can't relate to people. Anymore. Yeah. And they're going out and they're playing Dookie. And I think that's awesome. Hey man, what I was going to say, if whatever, if they're so huge that I feel like I have some sort of disconnect from them on an emotional level, I got to say, I got to give them, tons of props some people might complain about this i love that they speak out against trump and stuff like that like you could very easily just sit back and be like oh i don't want to rock the boat i think that's cool i think that's awesome that that you know billy joe's out there speaking his mind and i really like that i gotta say what the subway performance i saw stuff from that i think i i think that's really cool too but why by one complaint why is jimmy fallon up there just like, ruining all these songs. Yeah, what is he? Somebody get him the fuck out of there. Somebody, somebody get that guy the fuck out of my life. Like I really, I so when that when that video came, like when those videos came out, I sent it to a bunch of people, and I was like, "Look, Jimmy Fallon, like, thank you, I guess, for setting up this little publicity stunt." You don't need to be up there singing backup vocals and banging on a tambourine. Yeah, like oh, you, he said, you did I didn't know thing. he set it up. He set it up. It was through his show, but still, just announce, like, do the fake cover song with you as the lead singer of the band, then say it's Green Day, and then get the fuck out of the way and let the band just do their... I am so... I know it's like people have been complaining about this for 10 years. I'm so over Jimmy Fallon inserting himself into every element of every guest on it's his so show annoying like, <laughs> it is extremely annoying like yeah like it, imagine if he had a stand-up comic there and he was just up there doing bits with this like no just let the person do what they do and the fact that you've created a platform for them to do that thing should be enough yes 
Yes, <laughs> like, if Jimmy Fallon would have set that up to let that happen and stood back and watched the band and enjoy, imagine, oh, here's a cool thing for Jimmy Fallon to do. Stand with the fans and rock out to Green Day. <laughs> I would say, if he did that, I would say, oh, Jimmy Fallon's cool as hell. Look, he's moshing in the subway. I would say, yeah. that's cool. <laughs> Jimmy Fallon, you up, stand up there like an idiot banging on a, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, you're ruining basket case with your goddamn tambourine solos. Yeah, so like, stupid. Why? That guy... He needs to go. He needs. Yeah, no. I don't see the appeal. He needs to go. That, that's never something I will rail on on this episode. No, one hundred percent. Especially because you and I are both such diehard Conan fans. Like him, him taking over the Tonight Show after Conan got royally screwed out of the Tonight Show was like insult to injury to oh, me. Because I'm like, Matt, what? How, a, about, how yeah. about one more thing? How about the fact that Jimmy Fallon had Trump on his show and was playing Ruffling with his, his hair? hair. Yeah. Like, uh, you didn't help anything, Jimmy Fallon. Thanks a no. lot. Like, you just no, tried. Yeah. You helped normalize the guy. Get enough, Jimmy Fallon. R- yeah. For real. No, we're we're over it. Yeah. It's. I, I thought that he was going to be fired by now because there was <laughs> so much too. like negative press about him in the last year. Uh, I that's was like, right. That's good. I forgot yeah. about that. He also was an <laughs> asshole to the people at his show. I forgot <laughs> about that. Why? Ellen? Oh, gets, I don't. Ellen got fired, but. Jimmy Fallon we- doesn't. <laughs> oh my God! You got yeah. oh oh you got now you got me fired up about Jimmy Fallon. There we go. Well, okay. Well, and, anyway, let's get off so this that. album, so this album comes out. Yes, and the you know the the vibe that I'm seeing anyway is a lot of people are saying definitely the best Green Day album since at least American Idiot, and I can see that. And I mm-hmm. I I put it just shy. I I was making like what's my definitive ranking, and I obviously I don't think you can do the same because I've listened to all 14 of their albums a couple yeah, times, yeah, right. but I can do the early was, ones. <laughs> yeah. It was just outside of my top five. Uh, I put it at number six. My top five is controversial, so I'm not going to go into it. Well, but, <laughs> Dookie better be at one. Dookie's at number two. Oh, I love on. Insomniac. Insomniac. I love so much more. Um, I love Insomniac. Insomniac's probably, let me think about this. Insomniac's my number two. So yeah. we're vice versa. I feel we- like they're inter- yeah, they're basically interchangeable albums to me because they're both perfect five-star albums in my book. Yeah. And then I would put Warning and Nimrod kind of below that. And then it gets kind of just like they're all I think, great. But I think you're Ker- a Kerplunk guy. Kerplunk would be say- my number three, then Nimrod, then I guess American Idiot. Like I kind See, of- I put American Idiot pretty low. I th- I think you should revisit Warning. I feel like you would really like Warning. Yeah, I don't um, really I'm not really too familiar with that album. That's the one that has like Minority, Waiting, the self-titled song obviously Warning. Yeah. Um but it's they were trying something different. It was like half the songs were like them doing almost like a violent femme style acoustic punk and that's what like a lot of people didn't like. Yeah. And then the other half of it is like the stuff like Minority and and waiting, which are just fucking good songs. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm not going to lie here. I've become a factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy, and getting to eat restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. 
Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Plus, considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com slash one hit 50 and use the code one hit 50 to get 50% off. That's code one hit 50. The words one hit and the number 50 that is at factormeals.com slash one hit 50 to get 50% off. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? We're here today. It took us to talk about saviors. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, We're like 20 some minutes in and we're finally going to say saviors, which when we're recording this came out yesterday is Green Day's 14th studio album. It was produced by Rob Cavallo, who famously did Dookie and American Idiot. So they brought in, you know, the, the ringer here to, uh, to make a good album. And I think he did the album obviously sounds amazing the guitar tones it's very green day the bass tones amazing the drums sound huge uh one thing i noticed about this album i don't know if you noticed this matt this might be a green day thing the vocals aren't real out front you know no, like, they've definitely they've definitely done more burying the vocals in the mix which i like i like that yeah. it's almost a vibe I think we should start with the negatives and then build up to the compliments because I'll say out the gate, I think this is about three tracks too long and yes. I think it starts high and peters out towards the end. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. like I-, I think the last three songs are so similar in vibe and sound that it's like, just pick one of them. Just so, pick one of them and make it the closer because you have like three closers back to back, essentially. Right. And I don't even hear like a closer, honestly. But yeah. are you familiar enough with the album in your one and a half days of listening to it to like talk about song by song or not? I, I couldn't go song by song, but like as each of the singles came out over the last month or two, I would listen to them a lot so like the early half i know really well okay well let's talk about that a little bit like the opening track the opening song great american dream is killing me is great my thoughts on this one this sort of (laughs) like 
anthemic stadium rock type song. It ain't my thing. You know, <laughs> that being said, it's pretty good. But uh, I like that little orchestral section in it. I think that's pretty neat. I'm not so sure about the the lyric about TikTok. <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's just feels like that's going to be so dated and so like, I don't know about that. Come on. I think Green Day could have done better than, you know, t- putting TikTok as a lyric. So I'm curious because I think for me, that's probably one of my favorite tracks on the album mm. is this Amer- The American Dream is Killing Me. I think a lot of other people like look ma no brains more than I do. I was kind of lukewarm on look. Well, look, Mom, no here's brains. what I thought about look ma no brains. This is what everyone expects from Green Day. <laughs> this, <Yeah. laughs> if you don't like this song, you're not a Green Day fan because this is what Green Day sounds like. <laughs> this is what so many Green Day songs sounds like. Which, Matt, I, I guess I should have asked you this before we started diving into this. Before this album co- came out, we should both answer this kind of what do you want? From a Green Day album. What? So. How can Green Day win? You know? Uh, well, I've I've infamously said this about Green Day and Weezer, and I could be in the complete minority on this statement. But I think that these are two bands that get a lot of shit for a lot of the records they release. But at the end of the day, I think even some of the worst Green Day and Weezer albums are still better than a lot of other famous bands' best works. Oh, yeah. Um, In the sense that I think Green Day and Weezer, I appreciate that they are two bands that have a 30-year career in the mainstream that are constantly trying new sounds and experimenting with stuff. And that's what I want. I want Green Day to do something different. I've said before that like nothing kind of upsets me more is like, Stuff like Alkaline Trio or or yeah. Blink-182, very often will they'll do an album where they're kind of experimenting with something new and people don't immediately love it, which is understandable because you're trying out something new, but then their immediate response is to basically just like run back to what worked in the past and then just put out an album that feels like God Damn It or Enema of the State 2.0 yeah. and just kind of play it super safe after that. It doesn't And I work. like that Green Day, it never works. It never feels authentic. This is going to sound contradictory to what's my favorite song in the album, but I like that Green Day is not a group of 50-year-olds trying to write songs that sound like they were written by 20-year-olds. You know what I mean? Like they're dudes who are older writing songs for an older audience and if younger people catch on to it awesome but like they're writing for their audience these songs on this <laughs> album they're still youthful though they they, they are youthful listen people were crowd surfing and stage diving and we were all in our 50s and 30s 40s and 50s in that crowd yeah. like they but it was i i think it's just that they're not they're not trying to dumb it down for like their audience like yeah. this is just what their songs are and you know, they put out their last album. They did Father of All Motherfuckers. People hated it. Hated mm-hmm. it. I, I thought it was fine, but it was one of those things where I was like, this should have been released under one of the many, like, Green Day fake band name yeah. albums because it sounded like such a different course correct. Like, it was yeah. literally like them doing like a like a Hives mm-hmm. album. Like, it was... Right. 10 two-minute long songs that had like a real garage rock See, vibe. And I was like, put that out as like the long shot or yeah. the network or any of those other bands. I don't want um, that. I don't want yeah. that from Green Day. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I do. No, you're not alone. That is that the fans were pissed. And I think that that's why people love this album so much is that it's 
not that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, but like, this, this this album has its moments. The third song, Bobby Socks. Now, do you know this one? You know this, this one? This is this is my favorite song on the album. Oh I boy. Think. Well And this, this is well, but here's the thing. I know that people are gonna make fun of this song because it's essentially just Weezer? Do you wanna be my girlfriend? Do you wanna be my boyfriend? I thought you yeah, were gonna like, say it's Weezer. This song is Green Day Does Weezer. <laughs> Green Day Does Weezer, but there's something about this song that I like, and I was I was texting uh, other known Green Day fan and friend of ours, Matt Milligan, about it, and I was like, you know, this is going to be a song that people make fun of the most because it's the most dumb and simplistic, but I'm also like, I like that they're kind of just doing this weird, angry, slightly gender-bendy throwback to like a 60s love song right like this is just like a 60s garage band love song yeah like this is early beatles you know what i mean like do you want to know a secret but but changing it back and forth between do you want to be my girlfriend do you want to be my boyfriend like playing into billy joe's bisexuality in that way like it's it's cool and then this is the one i was talking about where it's like i think i like this song also because like it is so fast and aggressive and catchy performed live hmm. that I was like, oh, this song rules. Like as soon as they started playing it, I was like, this is going to be my favorite song in wow. the album. And then I listened to it and I was not wrong. I loved it. You're not alone <laughs> in that being the favorite song in your album. You know who else's favorite song that is on this album? Whose? Our past one hit thunder guest and the guy who's directed all the new Green Day music videos, Brendan Walter. Really? Did you know that he <laughs> did you know he directed all these Green Day videos, including the one for that song? I did not. How that's awesome. Crazy is that. Shout out to Brendan right now that he directs all these Green Day music videos. <laughs> like I, I mean, the dude is so humble about all this shit too. He's finally like for a while there, he wouldn't like post anything about all this. He's posting some pictures from it and stuff, but I saw that he did the music video for Bobby's socks. And he also posted, this is my favorite song on the album. So you and Brendan. Good to know. I yeah. will tell you that the of their singles, they released the first five tracks of singles. Of the singles, the next one is my absolute least favorite. One-Eyed Bastard. Dude. I mean, it's Dude. it's getting appropriately uh, made fun of for how blatant it's ripping off So What by Pink, Pink which like... Green Day has had a long history of accidentally ripping off songs, whether dude, it's this is Downtown bad. and Waiting right. or Wonderwall and Boulevard of Broken Dreams. But like dude, they have, but dude, yeah. Oh, this one is note for note. Yeah. Bad. This is same key, same tempo. Here's what I don't understand. I understand how you could accidentally write something and not realize it's something else. How did no one notice? How yeah. did Rob Cavallo not notice? How did the label not notice? How did someone, is someone just afraid to say something to Green Day? Like I <laughs> I could buy, I could buy that maybe Green Day didn't notice or like, or like what? We don't listen to Pink or maybe it's not even like it's a deep cut Pink song. It's arguably one of the biggest songs in her career. I, I just don't get it. I mean, on top of that which that should be why this song is yeah. completely discredited it's just not a but, particularly good song <laughs> yeah it's not really a good song i didn't understand why this was this was a single right this one's been yeah. out for a while uh it kind of sounds like holiday to me it sounds like another version of holiday that's and i guess you said holiday live was cool but that style of song that holiday is it's kind of not my thing i i could do without this one 
but it I think it's salvaged by the next song because I think Dilemma is the best single. It's that yeah. and Bobby Sox are the two best this songs is, on this to me. This is the best song. Dilemma is the best <laughs> song, I think. Uh, I love the melodies. I love the feel. You know, everything about Dilemma, I think, if I, if they would have released this song first, I don't know what order they released them in or whatever. This was the third one. They okay. did This American Dream, Look Ma, Dilemma, One-Eyed Bastard, Bobby Sox, and 1981, I think, is the next okay. one that they're going to well, release. Dilemma's the jam. Dilemma. Oh, it's great. It's yeah. great. It's awesome. But yeah, then we get 1981. It's fine. Yeah. I, I think it's one of those songs where it's like they have a catchy chorus, but it's a catchy chorus that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah. That's another one that I, like, my only note about this one is it's just another one that's like classic Green Day, but not anything like that memorable about it, to me, anyway. Yeah. Uh, but it's all right. It's all right. Uh, then Goodnight Adeline is next. Mid-tempo Real, I ballad. really like, I really Dude. like Goodnight Adeline. Yeah. All right. Well, look, I think it's okay. I like their mid-tempo ballads. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's Okay. It has that huge guitar melody bridge part or whatever, like out seems like it's gonna be the outro. The key change at the end, I saw that coming. The second the guitar solo <laughs> started, I'm like, there's gonna be a key change happening. I saw it a mile away. This is probably the most predictable song I've ever heard in my life. Maybe, maybe that's good. Maybe give them what they want. Maybe the fact I knew that key change was coming meant that I wanted it, but I don't know. I think that yes. this song didn't do much for me. Well, then we get Coma City, right. which is, it's fun. It's, it's pretty a, good. It's a, yeah, it's a fun little rock track. You know what I <laughs> thought about this one? The leads in this one were very screeching weasel-ish. They were like yes. very easy, very, like one note, you know, one string type leads and stuff. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, the next song after that, Corvette Summer. Now this one, you know this one now, you said you, you start to not know the songs as well towards the end. Corvette Summer. So I've listened to the whole album once. Okay. Well, I know the first six songs really well. And then I re listened to when you had, when we were like, all right, we're getting ready to record this. I started at Goodnight Adeline and re listened okay. to the back half a second time. So I've heard everything twice on this album. Okay. So this Corvette Summer song, it, I'm, I'm, I'm really on the fence about this one because I think it might be my second favorite song on the album. But. It's like real arena rock and it's like real catchy and has the cowbell through it. But I think what keeps me maybe from saying this is my second favorite, my complaint, and this is really nitpicking, but I don't like when people sing about rock and roll. Like (laughs) if you sing, if you're sick, just if you want to play rock and roll, go for it. But if you're singing about what you're playing i'm like that that just feels lazy that feels like i don't know i don't really like that so that might be uh, i i do like it musically i like the melodies um i do like the cowbell who, who doesn't yeah. who doesn't like a good cowbell once in a while yeah um but no i mean i agree with it i'm trying to think of like songs I feel like singing songs about rock and roll feels like such a 70s thing. Just play the rock. You don't have to tell us about how much you love it. We assume that because you're playing it, you love it. I mean, we're making a podcast (laughs) right now. Do we we have to make a podcast about the fact that we're podcasting? Like, we wouldn't want to do that. Well, we probably could. Yeah, I guess we could. Look, you never know what April Fool's holds in our lives. Susie Chapstick. What are your thoughts on Susie Chapstick? Uh, Pretty nice mid-tempo song. I like the clean guitars. I kind of like this one probably in my top five on the album. I... I dug it. I liked it. Yeah. No, I, I think that Susie Chapstick is right around where I start. Like, I like this song. 
I think that it starts to lose steam a bit from this point on for me. Oh yeah. Um, like strange days are here to stay and living in the twenties well, are fine, but it's the stuff after that, that I have a lot of problems with. I got to talk to you about these songs. First of all, strange days are here to stay. It's kind of like a comment on the world right now and how, you know, whatever I I'm, I'm down with that. I'm glad. I'm glad that they would write a song like this, whatever. It's fine. Living in the twenties. We're on a podcast right now called one hit thunder, dude. Maybe you didn't pay that much attention to this one. This is eight six seven five three zero nine. Oh, put it second. on. Put it on right now. Oh my god, Jenny, Jenny, who can I turn to? Like it's it's slightly different. It, the the, <laughs> yeah. cor- the chords are slightly different, but it's eight six seven five three zero nine. You didn't notice you were doing that? Yeah, probably not. No, you're right. That's that's it, that's rough. That's a rough one. That's on a Green rough Day. one. Dude, Father to a Son is the next song. Father to a Son is it's rough. Probably my least favorite song on Dude, the album. Dude, melodramatic. I I am not interested in songs like this. I am not interested in Cats in the Cradle. I am not interested in like Well, I've got bad news for you, Chris, because <laughs> as I'm sure you already are aware, I feel like they wrote a song like this three times and put them all as the last song on the album. Yeah. Like, cause like this song, Saviors. And Fancy Sauce all kind of feel exactly the same. And it feels like, it feels like to me, you know, I remember the very brief time that I was in a band. I was like, oh, this is our, this is our like sad emotional song. This is going to be the song that closes out the album. Or this is the acoustic song. The acoustic song is going to close out the album. And it feels like they wrote all three of these songs and we're like, well, all three of these feel like they're the sad song to close out the album. So let's just truncate it. If it was up to me, if I was the one making this album, uh, I would have said, cut father to son, cut saviors, make fancy sauce the last song, make it a clean 12, 13 tracks, and and it's fine. But I, You know, Green, it feels like to me, Green Day wrote, a lo- I'm sure they wrote a ton of songs, okay? They're yeah. very prolific. And front loaded the album and were kind of they're, they're They weren't thinking of this as an album, but more a collection of songs. And in that there's not the closing track. Now is, is that a product of we live in a singles world and people aren't thinking about the full album now and just wanted to, it, it doesn't feel like, like at the end of Fancy Sauce, I was like, oh, okay, that's the end of the album, I guess. You know, I I don't know. I guess I just expect more from a band with as many resources as Green Day. And and as yeah. the, the song's just not there. The last track, Fancy Sauce, when it first started, we talked about Bobby Sox. I said, is yeah. this uh, Green Day doing Weezer? When it started, I was like, wow, is this Green Day doing their butterfly (laughs) you know i thought that at first but then it ended up turning into something else i thought it was going to be all just you know what a single guitar and vocals it did turn into an all-out rock song um yeah it kind of really petered out at the end there it did and i wonder if green day i feel like this happens with a lot of bands but like not sure if you know this stephen king the writer stephen king has hit a level of fame where he doesn't have an editor anymore Mm. like he just writes a book and he sends it to the publishers and they publish it and i'm i'm assuming that when you're a band like green day and you're still able to sell out arenas 14 albums into your career 
I I assume the amount of checks and balances that might be there for the first couple albums by a band start to just by nature go away, mm-hmm. and the label just says, ah, people are gonna buy it. You know, what I mean, like right. like Green Day knows what they're doing. Their fans love them. Like we're not gonna sit here and like micromanage their album as much. But yeah, like I I think that you're right though to a certain extent that I think that if if this was a band if this was <laughs> If this was their follow-up to, say, Dookie, I think that someone would have been like, guys, we've got to write a couple more songs and take a few of these out and, and like, move well, some stuff around because it's, it's not quite there yet. It's, but I still think it's a good album. It's, yeah. it's an album that I'm a fan of. It's an album I'm going to re-listen to. Like I said, it's already ranking in my top six. Uh, it's at my number six. I don't think it's going to it, bump into my top five at all. The, that's pretty locked in but it's definitely the highest i've felt about one of their albums in a really long time yeah um, and i'm someone who loved the uno dos trey albums which like most people hate but yeah. like yeah as, but that's me as far as that final track conversation goes think about like how early in their career dookie came out and they still knew that fod was like this incredible final Closer, track now yeah. i'm not counting the hidden track or whatever but i'm saying like just for that style of song where you're just waiting and waiting and waiting. And then it finally, it was just like, it was such an amazing final track. Like if that wouldn't have happened in Dookie and they did it now, I would think it was amazing 30 some years into their career. Maybe when I look at the track list of the song, maybe Goodnight Adeline would have been like, uh, that would have Pretty made sense closer. as the final yeah. track, but then maybe they realized oh, we got to put that higher on the track list because maybe it's a possible single or something. I don't yeah, know. You never know how that works out. That's that's a whole other world. Well, Chris, real quick before we wrap up on on our Green Day thoughts uh, and you know the people checking out this little bonus episode, Green Day's hitting the road, but uh, there's another band that's hitting the road next weekend that oh. uh, listeners of the podcast might be able to check out if there's still tickets available, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, If you listen to this episode when it comes out, uh, punchlinemusic.com or punchlion.com. Yeah, we got some some album anniversary for Punchline Action shows coming up with Hot Rod Circuit in Hamden, Connecticut. That show's sold out. Cambridge, Massachusetts, uh, New York City, and Philly. And that that will be the, that's like the 25th through the 28th i think that's right uh yes yes yep. that is correct yep. and if you come to the 28th and you're a fan of one hit thunder yeah you can you can get a picture with both of the hosts of one hit thunder because <laughs> yeah, do that because <laughs> because uh i'll i'll almost definitely be behind the merch table throughout most of that show and chris will be basing it up on the stage but yeah. th- you'll there'll be enough time for you to say hey i love the show Want to get well, a photo with the guys that make it happen. We'll take a, <laughs> we want to get a picture. If you listen to one of them there, we want to get a picture with you on our cameras. <laughs> 100%. Yes. So Philly fans come and say hi. And also, I mean, hell, you're going to have chances to get photos with multiple uh, one hit yes. thunder fast guests. Cause I know for a fact, Matt DeStefano is going to be at the show and yeah. I'm sure many other Philly based past guests. That's right. Like everybody in punchline. That's right. <laughs> Hey, Green Day Saviors, Thunder or Blunder? Oh, Thunder. Absolute yeah. Thunder for me. Thunder certified. One hit is all you need To make the money guaranteed And you can live off royalties Forever And it makes me wonder 
Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King, an off-road minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media.